on this week's episode, Dune gets a part two. Is it time to go back to the circus? And is Bill Murray actually going to be in Ant-Man 3? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, Manica Media, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, The Lakers Fast Break, Vampires, and Vitae. And if you can support any of these great things in the realm of the Pop Culture Cosmos, plus we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook, it is sincerely appreciated. But I wouldn't even have PCC Multiverse without my good friend, she is the mastermind behind many of our games on Facebook, plus also a share of great news as well and content on the Facebook page for Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to catch what she's doing today at Vampires and Vitae. Also, the great things that she's doing with Warlocks and Whiskey and Wizards and Wine. Got it right this week. I'm really Yay! proud of myself. <laughs> it is a good friend indeed. You got to check out what she's doing each and every time out. It is Melinda Barkhouse and Melinda. Great to have you back on the show. Good to once see you again. today. Good to see you today. Good to see myself as well. And I don't <laughs> say that in egotistical fashion. I'm just like I made it to another day. I'm right. doing okay. Yeah. But it's going to be a great episode, Melinda. But before we do, can you give everybody an update on what's going on with the double V? Wow, Vampires and Vitae. So our fourth episode is about to release as a podcast episode, Friday. And then on Sunday, you will get a chance to catch the live stream right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos Twitch, Facebook, all of that good stuff, all the buzzwords. And it's Halloween, and there's some rumors of some pretty goofy costumes coming up on Sunday. If you want to see us look like a bunch of jerks, please, <laughs> please come and join us. <laughs> well, it's going to be a great time. I'm looking forward to catching it. Wouldn't you know the only real thing that we've heard as an update in the world of pop culture for this Halloween is a Jeepers Creepers reboot. And I'm just so excited for it. Yay. But <laughs> I can tell. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I did drop the trailer on that for you. So if anybody's interested, they can check it out on the Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. But we are going to have a great episode today. There is a ton of things to talk about. Not just major dominating news that we need to cover like 15, 20 minutes, but a lot of boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. We're going to hit you with a list of stuff, including Dune, Lightyear, Star Trek Prodigy, The Wheel of Time, PlayStation State of Play, and why that was disappointing. Are we headed back to the circus with Ringler Brothers and Barnum and Bailey? I'll talk about that coming up here in a bit as well. 
why you should not count out the French dispatch. Ring of honor. Are they dying? Are they dead? Are they coming back? We'll talk about that on the back end of the show. And Bill Murray spread the word out in Germany to promote Garfield 3, which I didn't even know was a thing. Yeah, who knew? Yeah, who knew? But he's talking, and he's talking about being a part of Ant-Man 3. Was it real, or was he trolling? Yeah, is he just being Bill Murray? That's the question. Yeah, that's the question. We'll talk about that on the back end of the show as well. But first, Melinda, we talked about on the front end, the Monday show with Josh and myself about how there was a tenuous future for Dune and how I was complaining that Denis Villeneuve, who did a great job in Dune, because I've seen it, I've got to go see it in IMAX, but I have seen the television version. I'm really impressed by it. I was disappointed that he didn't get an agreement ironclad in place for a sequel and that it had to be a kind of tenuous whether or not he was going to get it. It was based off of whatever he's going to do to the box office and also what was going to do on HBO Max and everyone was on pins and needles. And the Dunes fans were just biting their nails. Chomp, 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 chomp. But apparently Legendary Films and Warner Brothers, masterminds behind HBO Max and HBO, they gave the green light for a sequel to come up two years from now, October 2023, as of now. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. I know you were excited to hear it. I know this was our most reposted article by far, anything we did this week. So people are excited. Are you? Very. Absolutely. As soon as the movie ended, I was like, well, they can't just think. They wouldn't, they wouldn't just, I mean, they can't just leave. Yes, they can. And like, yes, they almost did. Would they? No. But the one thing that did read, Gerald, I'm not sure if you saw it, but the second part is going to be theater release only. So they're not going to be doing the HBO Max thing again. Oh, yeah. The HBO Max day and date thing is supposedly going to end with the Matrix Resurrections at the end of the year. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that's the case. Although... You know, that's subject to change, uh, but I, according to the theater owners out there, they have the understanding with Warner Brothers that it is going to be strictly the releases come to the box office first. Although, again, that's a subject to change based on HBO Max numbers. Right. Sure. Yeah. I hope they haven't released those yet, have they? No. 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 They, uh, well, I know it got two watches in this house, so there's two for sure. I'd say it's pretty strong enough to warrant it. The $40 million original take that it did in this opening weekend here in the u.s is okay it's pretty good it's not superb but then again it had the day and date with the hbo max deal and that got heavily pushed unlike the michael myers previous halloween kills which barely anybody knew it was on peacock so that was day and date there so nobody really knew that it was mainly pushed for the theaters And it got a nice take there. But a lot of people did not realize that that was there. But with Dune, you knew it was coming HBO Max. That was something that they pushed hard and heavily. And it has a $220 million take up through last week. And it should end up somewhere in the three to $400 million when all is said and done. It's going to debut in China here any day now. So it should be about a three to $400 million take when all is said and done, which is pretty good considering the pandemic. If it was normal times, three to four hundred million dollars would be kind of like, eh. You yeah, know, it would it was, be mostly okay. Yeah, I mean, because for instance, Blade Runner twenty forty nine did not make three hundred million dollars, and it has not been greenlit for that third 
movie in the series as of yet. So it has reached a number beyond that. So I'm I'm happy for Dune. I'm really excited. I very much like Dune, and I cannot wait to see the IMAX version. So I'm happy. It just it just shows me that I think a lot of people checked it out on HBO Max. Yeah, I think so as well. And what I thought was really exciting as well is that we're getting a series on HBO Max that covers the sisterhood. Yes, you mentioned um, that. Yeah, which is very intriguing. And to me, it was one of the really interesting parts of the movie. I was like, I want to know more about those ladies and what they're up to. There you go. That's yeah, so I'm be- very excited about that. I wonder what kind of influence or how Denis Villeneuve, if he's going to be involved at all, I'm hoping because the fact that it was so stylistic and Roger Dinkins, who did the cinematography on Blade Runner 2049, also did the cinematography on Dune. And it is absolutely stunning. So I'm wondering how this can translate to the Sisterhood series that will be coming up at some point in the future, HBO Max. I would love to see that same visual style. But I'm not sure, if, when, because it's going to be a scaled-down TV show, I'm not sure what we're going to get. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't really considered that part of it. But I think that the lore behind the sisterhood is, is certainly interesting enough to get people who really don't even know much about Dune hooked on a series. I think it's going to be really cool to watch how that kind of unfolds. I'm, I'm uh, very excited for it. And the thing is that in two years, when it comes out in theaters, it's going to have to, you know, it goes back to the normal. Okay, we've got to weigh what the box office does. And then, of course, if it's going to be on the fence, then again, because of the fact that there's a whole series of books, Children of Dune, and, you know, there's still more books in the series that could get made into movies or TV series or things of that nature. But I think a lot of that is predicated on how successful the sequel, part two, will do in the box office two years from now. And then maybe later on, a few months after it gets released, then how it will do on HBO Max. So what you're saying is there could be Dune for the foreseeable future? (laughs) It could be, but I'm not betting 100% on it just because of the fact that it took a little bit of a while for us to get a part two of just Dune. So if it takes a little while to get that AOK on it, we're not sure exactly how far Warner Brothers and Legendary is going to commit to the rest of the Dune story. So I'm very on the fence on seeing if that's going to be the case. I know the Sisterhood, if if that has a long series, if that is something that people will go ahead and catch season after season, then I think there's a better chance for the Dune universe being extended beyond part two. If not, then that could be a sign that maybe Warner Brothers after part two is going to say, you know what, we're kind of done with Dune for now. But we'll see. People have gotten into it, but to not to the extent that I think that Warner Brothers is definitively saying, you know what, this is something we're going to put everything behind. Sure. And where where do you think that speculation came from for Warner Brothers? Was it solely like a, a numbers and money game or mm-hmm. were they? Mm-hmm. When they say it's not about the money, it's about the money. Sure, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and honestly, I was a little bit too young when uh, the the original movie came out in the eighties. Like, how did that movie do in comparison? Did it do well at the box office? Was it a bomb? Did it become like a cult hit kind of situation? It's become like a cult hit. It's very okay. much of a bad movie, but it's a movie I like. I enjoy it, but it is sure. so cheesy. Uh, and yeah. plus, the fact it combines both books. into one movie i think that was a very bad move but they needed to go ahead and do the cliff notes version for you i think there were some really strong parts about it i love sting in the movie 
just shouting out there in the end, I will kill him. I will kill him. You know, shouting that people were just gawking at him in the original opening scene when he comes out in this, you know, like that, whatever speedo he's, he's coming oh, out in and coming out of the cryo right. chamber and all that. Yes. Yeah. I think people are waiting for his character in the next movie because his character has not yet been introduced. So I know a lot of people are looking forward to that. Plus the sister, the little sister of, Timothy Chalamet in the movie that that right. she has not been introduced as well. So these are things that we're going to be looking forward to as far as the introduction of new characters for that next movie. But the original movie itself, it's very campy. It's very uh, 80s ish, yeah. <laughs> I should yeah. say. But yeah, it's something that I think a lot of people should experience at least once to just see how campy 80s movies were. But for right now, I think the, the fact is that it did not get a, a definitive stamp of approval way ahead of time from Warner Brothers. Yeah. I think it's very telling that it had to go here. In fact, even when it was doing well overseas, it didn't get a definitive stamp of approval. It had to take a $40 million take, which was okay, but also an opening weekend on HBO Max here in the U.S. before it finally, they finally said, you know what, we'll go ahead and complete Denis Villeneuve's vision for Dune. What are your thoughts out there on Dune getting a part two? Are you excited for it? Did you catch on HBO Max or did you go catch it in the theaters? Like I'm going to see it on IMAX. I did see the television version and I'll tell you what, you are missing out if you're not catching it on IMAX because it is so scenic. It is so beautiful and it is something I'm very happy about getting a part two. Small point. You have to have your volume up on your TV so loud in order to be able to hear the dialogue. It's basically like you're in IMAX. That was my only complaint. Oh, you know, you got that <laughs> booming soundtrack from Hans Zimmer. Right? So, yeah. It, it, was worth, yeah. it was worth playing loud. Please don't get me wrong. But uh, you definitely had to crank up the volume in order to hear the dialogue. So that was a thing for me. But now I'm just being nitpicky because I liked it so much. I had to find something, right? Yeah, absolutely. But what are your thoughts out there on Dune? Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. So let me get this straight. We're going to play a like a video game together? or Well, not exactly. Okay, fine. W- where's the controller? Uh, that's it's, it's right here. This is literally a sheet of paper. I don't understand what you... Well, here, re- you're going to need these two. Dice? You just hand... Are these even dice? We are going to play Vampire the Masquerade. It's a role-playing game. What kind of vampire do you want to be? Okay, now you're telling me there's more than one kind of vampire? Oh, my friend, you have no idea. There's Nosferatu, there's Vampires and Vitae, an actual play podcast. Season 2, coming soon to Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, continuing the rapid fire for today... One thing I wanted to ask you was, did you get a chance for the latest Pixar project that they've got on the way for next year? The origin story for one of the most beloved characters in the Toy Story series, Buzz Lightyear, entitled Lightyear, starring Chris Evans. You didn't get to hear much of Chris Evans in this yet, but I really like what I see. And as someone who knows someone who does work for Pixar, I just got to say, I am very pleased with what i saw and it's the most excited i have been for a pixar movie in quite some time really interesting yes. i mean it, it looks fun you know maybe i just didn't get the the toy story 
hoopla. They, I don't, I didn't love the films the way that other people have loved the films. I'm Gave sorry. The feels, Melinda. I know, I know, and I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't for some reason. It didn't connect with me, or I didn't connect with it, or something. There was a disconnect somewhere for me. So I'm one of those people going, oh yeah, neat. I might watch it. It's not going to be a must see for me personally. I do love me a Pixar film. Please don't get me wrong. But yeah, I don't know. It, it looks like it'll be a, a cute film. Let me guess. You love Inside Out. I do. I think it was really smart and a really smart way to teach kids about emotions and feelings. I thought it was very clever. Oh, that one really got that had me bawling. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But in, in just a, a smart way to teach kids how to deal with feelings and how to work through no because that's that's usually the one that i usually talk to everybody about incredibles for me is my top film the incredibles sure. one and two they're, they're, those were sensational but inside out is truly a very good film and i think a lot of people seemingly relate to that film even more than most of the entire library sure. so i yeah. usually i usually point that one out because i think yeah. that connects also, with people a lot more i'm also a huge monsters inc fan i i love that Those one is not really for me. I don't yeah, know why. I, I just I, I really I, liked the first one when they started to do like Monster University and and all of that kind of stuff. I was kind of like, oh well, there you go. And I don't didn't really like all of those movies. I did watch them all, but didn't really like them. But the first Monsters Inc. Love. There you go. Well, there yeah. you go. But Lightyear for me, I'm really excited for uh, Chris Evans. Again, you didn't hear much in the trailer, but. I'm sure he has got a lot to say in the in the movie when it comes up next year. Looking forward to it. I just thought the trailer looked absolutely beautiful. I thought it's already some of Pixar's best animation that I have seen. The way the rocket bursts into space and the cloud trail. To me, to me, I look at those things because yeah, it looked really some great. Back, some of the background that I have and the individual that I worked with that is there. Now at Pixar, I just am really just complimenting the entire team at Pixar because I really think after a couple films that were pretty good, uh, I know Luca has not gotten over as well with people. I think that was just something that was put out there. And it went, of course, went straight to Disney Plus and really didn't get the same vibes, I think, for a lot of people that and I don't think people went out of their way to catch it too much. I think this should be uh, now that's going to be out in theaters. It should bring Pixar back on the map as the preeminent animation studio. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. It's it's going to do all of the things that Pixar wants it to do. I just, on a very you know personal level, am I going to spend money to go and see it? Probably not. It no, looks okay. great, but I probably won't go see it in theaters. Oh, you know it's going to land on Disney Plus, though. See, that's yeah, the thing with everybody because they they know it's going to end up on Disney Plus at some point in time. Yeah. But what are your thoughts out there on Lightyear? The story behind Buzz Lightyear, one of the favorites from the Toy Story series. This is his origin story about the real, well, okay, it's animated, but the almost real story of Buzz Lightyear. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Keeping on this train as we're going along with the pop culture update that we've got for you. Speaking of space and going into space, Star Trek Prodigy. That is landing on Nickelodeon, and this is something that we talked about just before the show about this new cartoon animated series done by, of course, in conjunction with Paramount and the whole Star Trek universe that's going to deal with a lot of different things, a lot of different characters. But one of the AI characters that's involved in this is going to be from Star Trek Voyager in Captain Janeway. 
So I want to hear your thoughts on this. I really like the move. I really liked what I've seen so far because it it's geared towards a younger audience. And this is something Star Trek needs to do to evolve. This is something I once said about Star Wars is that it was catering to an older dying market for lack of a better term, and that it needed to go ahead and grow a new audience. Well, you know, Star Trek has always been, unfortunately, in the battle between Star Trek and Star Wars, has been a distant number two. Now, this is one way they can go ahead and maybe build for the future with this type of show. Yeah, and it, it's about time because you, you're you hard-pressed and, you know, it's going to be a sweeping generalization, so I apologize for that. But you are kind of hard-pressed to find, you know, a big-time Star Trek fan under 30 right now. And I, I saw a lot of conversations actually recently, randomly on Twitter that was they were talking about this exact thing. Like, how old were you when you discovered Star Trek? How did you discover Star Trek? And a lot of the the replies that this tweet was getting was, you know, it, I watched it with my dad or my mom got me interested in it when I was little. But they're talking to people who are still 30 plus. Well, so, even when you're talking about the reboot movies, because that garnered a new audience. A lot of those people are over 30 now, too, because exactly. I remember that came out in 2008, I believe. Yeah, exactly. So I think that Star Trek, I don't know who is kind of looking after things or who is the point person on all of the Star Trek stuff right now, but they're making a lot of, in my opinion, the right kinds of moves. I agree. Um, Yeah. So with Below Decks that's on TV right now, which obviously is still not meant for kids, but it's, uh, it's still something that is going to target a younger audience, like an under 30 audience. So having this show that's going to show up on Nickelodeon is going to be like a, a gateway drug for kids to be like, yeah, I, I really like the Star Trek cartoon. And then, but then you have well, the foundation seen... show and discovery yes. that is really good. And people need to go out of their way to see, I'm just sorry that it isn't a week by week CBS series. Sure. I wish it was because mm-hmm. it would be better than anything they have on the slate, yeah. but it is something that people need to go to Paramount plus to see Star Trek Picard. You know, that's for the nostalgia people. Absolutely. And it is, you can take it or leave it. I mean, again, we've talked about Star Trek Picard. I'll watch it, but I'm not exactly enthused by it because it was so very uneven in its first season. But Star Trek Discovery has really grown into a really yeah. well-made series. And I think they're, they're, it, you're right. The way that they're going about it, because they're catering to all these different audiences. And then when yeah. Star Trek Lower Decks, it, that sheer brand of comedy it's just like something that's out there that is is common in today's marketplace in, in the modern era. And yeah. I really think they're trying to, like you said, they're really trying to cater to a newer, younger audience. And that's the way you do it. You, they're doing a great job. Yeah, absolutely. And then at some point, you know, dad's going to walk into the room with the DVD in his hand and go, have you heard of Khan? <laughs> or the movies. That's the only thing. That's the yeah. last beacon is getting a successful movie because no matter how much star trek 2008 is rewatched and rewatched because it's one of the most rewatched yeah. movies of the last decade it still garnered only 400 million dollars at the box office and there's not been a huge blockbuster hit for them ever i think maybe you could say star trek 2 wrath of khan but if you're talking about inflation to dollars whatnot you could say that score was a big success but outside of that, there really has not been a movie that has transcended, that's gotten people 
talking to the point where, hey, this is really something you've got to be a part of. And that's, I think, the last beacon. Uh, that's the last stop on this adventure for them in this full reboot of Star Trek. Yeah, I, I know that in Star Trek, we don't talk about Kittimer, but I wonder if they took a series and explored some of the the mythos that, you know, the Star Trek series and the Star Trek movies don't really seem all that keen in exploring a little bit. I wonder if anything like that would take off with an audience because it, it's, a, it's a big mystery about, gosh, I'm going to get it wrong. I want to say Romulans and Klingons. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But Well, Cardassians, Romulans, Klingons. I mean, you have that base, that mythos, like you said, of characters that are good evil whatever side that they're going to be on depending on which series it it just and that you have the crew with you know the crew that that's there may put them in one last movie because i really enjoy that crew that crew seemed to gel together and worked well together i really hope that they don't bring a new crew on as of yet because i think it's in their best interest to have one last shot with this current crew that they have or oh, actually no. almost current crew that yeah. well because oh, it's been no. since 2016 I can't remember what it's called and i'm so upset right now with myself i'm gonna i'm gonna say praxis and i know it's not praxis axanar might be axanar have you heard about that it's the fan-made film that no. uh was backed it was crowdfunded and it funded like millions and millions and millions of dollars and the movie is shot like a, a holodeck thing that you could call up if you were actually on one of the starships and it goes through this historical battle between Starfleet and the Klingons. And it really kind of took you point by point through this incredible battle between the Federation and the Klingons. And that was an example of a missed opportunity, if you ask me, because obviously Star Trek fans are interested in it. They backed the project but for millions of dollars. But the problem so my- is not Star Trek fans. The problem is... As I always tell you, the golden rule of something that's going to blow up, why did the Squid Game blow up? The Squid Game did blow up not because it just went to hardcore fans. It blew up because it went to you and I and everybody else that they know wanted to go ahead and see it. Right. Something in pop culture is not truly successful until it blows up with a general audience. Right. Star Trek audience is, is great and they'll support it, but... Unless we can get that individual off the street that has no knowledge of Star Trek or never cared about Star Trek to go watch Star Trek, then that's the elusive thing for them that's always been there for their films. Absolutely. and But I think that if you have a a fan-backed kind of gateway drug, like what this film could have been, and you get fans excited about it they're going to it's it's going to filter through it's it i don't think it was ever meant to be a theatrical release or anything like that and paramount kind of you know put the pin in it and deflated it pretty quickly but you know it to me that was a missed opportunity it was a grassroots kind of movement thing which is definitely another part of (laughs) what they don't like to see with star trek which is unfortunate they kind of punish fans for being fans sometimes it feels like and that's frustrating as a star trek fan but no i i like what they're doing I I like the, it seems almost methodical steps that they're taking to get younger fans into it. And, you know, I hope that Star Trek never goes away. I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Well, it's right now the backbone of what Paramount Plus is doing. So it's it's at a healthier point in time than it has been in a long time. Uh, Still though, that final frontier for me and for them is the movie success, a movie successful enough to go ahead and say it's a blockbuster hit because they've never truly had that that's the one final frontier that 
even William Shatner and those movies couldn't reach out, even Star Trek Generations, where they combined everybody. That was a hit, but it wasn't a cataclysmic Star Wars level hit. And I know you don't like it, and people out there don't like it when I compare Star Wars to Star Trek, but you have to because they're there. Because you have to go ahead and say, okay, we've got the Mandalorian for Star Wars. You've got Star Trek Discovery for Star Trek fans. They're both well-made shows. Of course, it's on different platforms, but at least you can say we've got a show that compares favorably to it. But now we don't have a movie that compares favorably as far as the box office is concerned. I think that's still the one final frontier for the Star Trek universe. And I'm hoping that with this next project, whatever it is, because it seemingly gets thought brought up and canceled and brought up and canceled and somebody yeah. comes in and it gets canceled. So whatever yeah. they ultimately do for the big screen, I think will be hopefully something that will be successful to a worldwide audience. I wonder if they did a, a crew and a ship that's not necessarily part of the Star Trek universe as we know it right now and, and made a, a completely fresh approach. They probably will have to do that. As much yeah. as I love this crew from this Kelvin timeline, yeah. I think that we're going to have to go ahead and do something fresh and to approach a new audience. So yeah. I, I agree with you on that. What are your thoughts out there on Star Trek Prodigy, this great new series for kids centered around all this great stuff that's going on with new characters and a familiar face as AI? It would be great to hear your thoughts because if this is going to be the thing that's going to get kids involved with Star Trek, we'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, Melinda and I are still going to be running through all this stuff in pop culture, including the Wheel of Time. Could we be going back to the circus? Well, I'm disappointed with PlayStation, the French <laughs> Dispatch, and Bill Murray. Are they one and the same? Or is he going to Ant-Man 3? We'll talk about that and more coming up after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you want to see the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid, hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really truly defined who we are, and you gotta check out season one of Action Figure Adventure. Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store. You'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love Action Figure Adventure. And we're back at the show. It's the PCC Multiverse. It's Melinda Barkhouse right there. And me, Gerald Glassford, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Again, check us out. Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where we post not only the latest news and trends of pop culture every single day right there for you. We go ahead and follow everything that's going on there. Plus, we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. And this young lady right here, she heads up not one, not two, but three of the most fantastic games that we have right there each and every week. So please check it out at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. But before we head on out, Melinda, let's go ahead and run off a few more things. The Wheel of Time. You wanted to go ahead. In fact, you dropped the latest trailer for it. It's a fantasy show coming to Amazon. R Rosamund Pike, who's a really good actress, yes. really done some good stuff. Even in the, in the past couple of years, she's really, really done some good stuff. I think that people need to take notice of this. I know there's a little bit of strife behind the scenes that one of the actors has already left the series after even before season one started and has already there, gotten replaced for season two. But I think the concept is really good. But please tell us why you're so excited for The Wheel of Time. Okay, so, okay, with understanding that we don't talk about the last season, 
I have been waiting and looking and searching and trying to find something that would replace the scope and size of story of Game of Thrones. And finally, I think we have found it. It's going to take the the fantasy element of it and it's going to crank that to 11. The show, the footage that we saw in the trailer is absolutely gorgeous. I love the world that they're building. So excited for the story and yeah, no, I'm I'm very excited and I happen to be married to one of the biggest wheel of time nerds on the planet. So even if I didn't like the trailer, I would still end up having to watch the show because that's what will be on TV when the show finally drops. Well, when that big fan that you're married to yeah. finally gets the chance to see it, yeah, we need to get him on the show so he can talk about his love for it. Absolutely. Or yeah, his I, disdain I for it. Well, hopefully it'll be love because okay. he's been super apprehensive about it because it's one of those books, uh, sorry, one of those book series that he holds very dear to his heart. He, well, you got to remember, they, I mean, if Amazon will drop 500 million or a billion dollars on the Lord of the Rings series, they got to throw some chunk of change at this. Yeah, and by the looks of of what we see in the trailer, I would say that they've done it. And uh, I mean, there's dragons, there's like really, really bad guys. You know, the dark one, he's awakening, all of that. It just looks so pretty. I can't wait to watch it. I'm so excited. I can't wait. I can't wait as well. It's something that we're going to be looking forward to. It is the Wheel of Time. The latest trailer is available on the Facebook page for Pop Culture Cosmos, so check it out. And if you really have got a lot of things to say in regards to your excitement, or if you're going to check out the Wheel of Time, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Melinda, I've got a little bit of a gripe. <laughs> Uh-oh. And that is with PlayStation. PlayStation gave the, everybody advance notice of a, what they call their state of play presentation that they throw out because all these video game console makers, Nintendo, Xbox, and PlayStation, they all got to do their little online little presentation things every now and then just to show you sure. that they're alive and whatnot. They did the state of play recently with all their first party titles uh, that they've got, or at least a lot of them they've got uh, that they've announced. And they gave you an update on those. And you know a lot of them look really good. And we talked about that a couple of weeks back. But they showcased, it was supposed to be some of the third-party stuff that they're working on with uh, third-party vendors, third-party studios, and things of that nature. And I was expecting something maybe with working with Activision or working with some other, you know, Rockstar. I was expecting big name sure. third-party titles to come into play with this, you know, in order to go ahead and say, yeah, we've got this working on you know what, if you just said it was more like indie titles, or if you said it was more like smaller titles, I think it would have been, you know, something a little bit better to approach. But the way that they approached this was something that was really going to be something big. And unfortunately, what it was, was just, eh. I mean, the little devil inside gameplay was revealed. A star ocean, the divine force was is continuing that franchise the king of fighters 15 it's getting a beta test bug snacks is getting an update we are ofk you know it's giving an indie band experience from what digital trends is saying and i got a chance to check it out it looks okay uh, death verse let it die you know that that's great and all but these are not marquee titles that I think a lot of people or a lot of gamers are going to be looking for. I mean, they have some of them already niche audiences, but I was really kind of disappointed the way they set this up and didn't have really much to follow through upon. 
Yeah, that's always disappointing when you're when you're expecting at least one. Just give me one. One big, big title. Thing. Big, yeah, big, big. Give me one yeah. big thing. And when they can't deliver on that, it's like, well, I wasted my time logging into this today. Yeah, so, I was 20 minutes like I, my I time I can't get back. Yeah, well, <laughs> there you go. A whopping 20 minutes. But it, it's always a, a little bit heartbreaking. That's one third when, of our show. Uh, that's true. That's true. That's true. Well, thank goodness we didn't give them a whole lot of airtime, right? But you That's know what? 20 minutes of time. Roger complaining about on Mondays about what's going on with his computer. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but really, you know, good for the indie titles and good for the, the people who work in those smaller studios, you know, getting the chance to step out onto the big platform. Good for them. And I, I, I welcome that, but I would have been a little bit better... Uh, to me, it would have been a better, in, you know, as far as been handled a little bit, presented a little bit differently. I think sure, yeah. that a lot of these studios that they, sh if they're not able to show it at E3 for some of the reasons, for some reason, they should find a different platform to showcase it on. Jeff Keeley does his thing with the award show during the last part of the year in December. I think that's a great time because that sets up for a lot of things, but. Again, that's just it's a little nitpicky stuff. I know it's uh, you know for these these studios, it's a big thing for them. It's just that when PlayStation hypes it up, I'm expecting a lot more. And and lately with that and the uh, Nintendo Online snafu, that that's you know, a lot of people are having issues that Jamie Monroy from GameSource talked about previously last week. Uh, I just something that I, we're just it kind of bugs me, but I'm, I'm guessing I'm not surprised in the world of microtransactions and ways that these video game companies and these console makers can try and go ahead and get a little bit more out of you. I guess this is what I'm going to get with delays and launches and, you know, obviously Cyberpunk 2077. So it's just little things like that. I just try to find enjoyment from my video games and sometimes it's just getting a little bit harder to do so. Yeah, it, it's it's almost starting to feel a little bit tedious, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with you on that. But did you enjoy the state of play from PlayStation focusing on third-party games, smaller titles, niche titles, but still really good stuff if you're a fan of indies and whatnot. But did you want something more like I did? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, before we hit the break, I wanted to know, Melinda, if you're ready to join the circus. Because... Um, I'm always ready to join the circus. All right. <laughs> in fact, I'm pretty sure I live in one. <laughs> oh, don't tell that to Rob. But with the announcement that Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey could be coming back as early as next year for circus shows that are going to be traveling once again around the country, I thought that was great news. But, and there's always a but on this. There is the very real possibility that there will be no animals involved, which is a good and a bad thing because of the way that animals have been treated in these circuses, gotten a bad lot of bad publicity in the la in the final years that these circuses were around yeah. that had animals in it. It was very bad publicity. You saw the conditions, you know, a lot of stuff. PETA was really going to town on them and, deservedly so because they you know the mistreatment and whatnot but when i took my girls to the circus earlier in their lives you know they got they're, they're probably one of the last groups of kids that will be able to see possibly animals in interacting with the circus and obviously with the circus access going on there 
So I think for future generations, which we talk about, uh, about when we talked about Star Trek Prodigy, they won't be able to get a chance to see the animals interacting in these circus acts, which is a good thing because of the physical cruelty that sometimes happens, you know, as we've seen, but it's kind of disappointing because of the fact that they don't get to really understand what a circus, the way we saw it, truly was. Have you seen the show Alter Ego? No, I haven't. No, it's a singing competition that's on TV. I've uh, heard of it, you, yeah. You perform as a, as a digital avatar of yourself instead of you stepping out on the stage yourself. I've heard of it, yes. Yeah, it it's really impressive technology. And it, I'm just starting to wonder if we won't have digital animals in circus. Is that the same thing, though? Well, I mean, you know, if you don't know the difference, you don't know the difference. And to be honest, the show, I mean, think of the show what you will, but that technology is pretty impressive. I mean, it's not amazing yet, but it is very impressive. So maybe there'll be something along those lines that happens in the circus. Possibly. It's obviously going to be better for the animals, you know, yes. than the treatment of those animals, which is and should be the first and foremost concern. I'm not trying to dissuade or lessen any of the treatment of these animals at all. That's something, yeah. but. It's just a thing where you lose something when taking some to the circus and they have seeing it the first time and they're not seeing it the way you used to see it and having right. the same type of fantasies or same type of enjoyment or the same type of experience that you once had. Yeah, I, I understand that. But there there could be technology and tech ways to to work around that i mean yeah sure it's still going to be a bit of a superficial experience but i don't know you may be surprised i may be surprised indeed as that digital lion you know bites the head off of the uh, the guy that's trying to control it or what well you and see then, it, it it significantly lowers the opportunity for things like that to happen well and then he pops his <laughs> head off i'm okay of- everyone <laughs> or is that part of why you went to the circus to see exactly. when things went terribly wrong exactly <laughs> well no i can't say that when i was a kid now older older and maybe no i'm kidding a couple years no big deal no 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 I, I would never want that to happen as far as that's concerned so I you definitely want to see some good things i'm, I'm glad that ringling brothers and barnum and bailey the most entrusted name in the world of the circus performing arts is coming back with all new shows next year. Looking forward to it. Maybe even I'll take the kids one last time to go ahead and, and experience it yet again. So, because they don't really have, remember the circus uh, very much. They don't have many memories of when I took them to the circus. So we'll see, maybe we'll go ahead and do it one more time just for kicks. I'm trying to think if I've gone to a circus proper or if I've, I mean, I grew up in kind of like in the, the country. Well, you so said you like, have one at your house. There, <laughs> yes, true. Um, but I think I've only ever been to like, you know, the country exhibitions to see like the ox poles and, and stuff like that. I don't know that I've ever been to a proper circus with animals. Interesting. Really? Yeah. It's something that I was able to be fortunate enough to see as a kid. But again, understanding the world we live in, understanding the fact that if these animals are not treated fair and not treated correctly, then there shouldn't be a circus. Let's put that out there. But if they are treated with the best of conditions, it's something that I think that I would love to see again in in that realm. But like you, I don't think that's going to be the traditional circus in the way we saw it or the Mm -hmm. way I saw it. 
as a kid ever again. And I'm just going to have to accept that. And I'm just going to have to see if my kids will still enjoy the circus format when hopefully we can catch a show maybe as early as next year with Ringing Brothers and Barnum and Barnum at Bailey Circus. So sure. hopefully, hopefully, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But what are your thoughts out there on the circus revival of Ringing Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus without animals? But the revival is there, and it's a possibility that it can happen as early as 2022. Please share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. That's, that's the music I love. I just love that, you know, for all together different. I understand it. I understand. Yes, yes. That's what, I think we should play that theme during our Monday Demolition Force episode. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> but coming up after the break, we're going to go ahead and talk about the Ring of Honor wrestling promotion and its troubled times, the French Dispatch, and why you should miss it. And also, Bill Murray. Is he an Ant Man 3 after all? We'll talk about this coming up after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Before we head on out, Melinda, I just wanted to go ahead and give everybody an update on a smaller wrestling organization, but still a very important one. An organization that has a lot of ties to today It's CM Punk. Brian Danielson, some great stars that have been a part of Ring of Honor in the past. Ring of Honor is a organization that has been around for at least a couple of decades now. And unfortunately, their owner, Sinclair Stations, the conglomerate that owns several stations, in fact, they've got a chain of them going ahead as far as for syndication purposes, and actually was utilizing the Sinclair outlets throughout the country to go ahead and syndicate out its shows each and every week. Unfortunately, they have decided that as of now, that the company, after they finish up their shows in November, will be temporarily shutting down. And talent that is currently under contract will go ahead to other organizations as long as they still meet those requirements that's left on the slate for Ring of Honor. But Ring of Honor looks like it's going to be assessing how to go ahead and reorganize the company going forward for the first quarter of 2022. They'll be taking off. So the latest reports has Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer talking about them maybe coming back as more of an, a smaller independent company dealing with only independent wrestlers and not tying wrestlers down with long-term contracts. So that's something we're going to have to wait and see if that's going to come to fruition. But the word is right now, they will be very much different going forward. And to me, it's kind of disappointing because Ring of Honor is an entity that had a lot of advantages with its built-in syndication market, which was syndicated to dozens and dozens of stations. In fact, over, I believe, 100 stations all throughout the country. 
and had that built-in marketplace and really the money was never spent on truly improving the product overall. The talent base seemed to dwindle over the years as they started to head out to larger organizations like WWE, Impact, AEW, All Elite Wrestling, the NWA started to go ahead and take wrestlers from there, Major League Wrestling as well here in North America. It's an organization that had so much to give and I think ultimately it just didn't quite do enough to do what it needed to do for the fans out there. It's going to be reorganized. It's going to be reimagined sometime in 2022 and coming back in some form, but not quite the form that we currently saw in the past few years. So I think that's going to be a good thing for the wrestling industry because the Ring of Honor that was there was something that was fading and was something that a lot of people that had admired Ring of Honor for years admire the way it used to be and the depth and the talent that it once had that it was no longer retaining. So all the talent that's still left is being released out of their contracts after their requirements are being done as far as the dates that are left in November. It will still be in television in some form where they'll be playing a lot of best of. They have talked about selling the tape library that they have, and it's a very good one with a lot of interesting talent over the years that have participated and competed in Ring of Honor. So we'll see how that ends up as far as the tape library. Will WWE or maybe AEW or another outside party obtain the rights to that? That'll be very interesting to see. And if it truly does come back in some form, Ring of Honor does in 2022, I'd like to see if that's the case. I still have some qualms about that if, if it will actually come back in some form at some point in time in 2022. But you know what? We'll wait and see. But as of now, the ring of honor that people have known over the past couple of decades is no more. What are your thoughts on the death and possible reimagining of ring of honor? Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, before we head on out, Melinda, I wanted to give everybody a sneak peek. That's right. A sneak peek of a new channel that we're coming up with here at the Pop Culture Cosmos that will go ahead and take some of our RPG elements and create an audio channel. And I wanted to give everybody a, a little bit of a taste of a conversation I had with the great people. That's on Mondays for the Demolition Force. A lot of DMs are at the table when we went ahead and recorded this. So we had a great time with the first DM roundtable. It did very well for us, and we got a lot of great feedback and positive comments on it. So I thought I'd go ahead and give everybody a taste just for a few minutes about what's coming up for us the on the rpg audio end for the pop culture cosmos what's coming to up save next? you it Roger. is now apollo's turn uh -oh. apollo hey, yeah. you're you're standing down here on the ground and we're, yeah all hell broke loose there was a reverse gravity you you were one of the few who saved on that and then you see people start falling to the ground you saved two of them you saved smith and dude and then uh Shamat fires his arrow up and hits the dragon a couple of times and then Remy's just using his pack blade and demolishing the dragon and then Mbibe throws his claws out and just starts digging in a dragon's nose and that was the final blow. Then the dragon falls from 180 feet in the air so Mbibe and Remy are also falling, but Mbibe uses his feather fall on both of them so that they don't take damage at the end. The dragon falls 180 feet in the air, and it's 
splats. I mean, it's it's uh, uh here. Let me let me show you. I'll give you. I definitely end with Remy and a horrible pose from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'll just use this as a reference for the splatter zone. Hmm. It's about like that. The, the, the red you... circle here. <laughs> I just moved the red circle. You. So, yeah. Yeah, so this uh, this this big earth elemental and, and Doog and... Maddie, Maddie and Shemot. Yeah. What do I have to roll? Well, no, Shamat is on the other side of that earthen wall. Oh, so thank some God. of that some of that earth wall is is crumbling a little bit, not enough to actually like make it fall over and and do any damage. But do I but, get uh, any like dragon juice on me? I just want to know. No, no, you are on the other side of a thirty foot high earthen wall. Okay, because you know he's, he has all the luck. I just want to make sure his hair. You got to make sure his hair is nice and neat. right. I right. didn't get any your hair. hair. With excess growth. Yes. <laughs> well, that's the way it was going though. Remember, Apollo, I was here. As you're I'm standing here. there, this, I was this other Earth me. elemental comes up and he walks over to you and whacks you a couple of times. Uh-huh. And uh. now it's your chance to do something. Well, remember, uh. he was head to toe in fur and hair. <laughs> that's right. That's right, because he drank Duke's potion. Yes. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. Uh, don't don't look at your uh, backside. I'll tell you this right now. You're not going to be thrilled with how the pulsion goes all the way through you. Oh no! Oh no! That's scary. I mean, he he did drink it, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He I, just had it. It. Yeah. I doused it. Yeah. I, I just and he drank it. the whole vial. <laughs> that was like seven servings. <laughs> yeah. I was thirsty. What can I say? <laughs> Okay, we now just have an Ewok as a companion. Yeah, this guy right here. What did we say? You you had like nine inches of hair. You, you had him roll for it. I think it was like two to three yeah. inches well, of hair growth on his head. And he, I think like, he's like a six foot four version of cousin It. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's in Duke's colored hair. Yes. So he looked like a golden retriever. It actually would be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So Apollo, what would you like to do? This, this will, elemental is still standing right next to you. Whisper at it. Hey, you want to go away? No, go away. Okay. <laughs> wisdom. Oh, this guy's not very wise either. Oh, dispassionate. Ah, he fails. Dissonant whispers. <laughs> cool spell, man. Yeah, I was gonna say, drop that in the chat. Uh huh. Uh, somebody want to read that while I'm applying damage you here? You whisper Nine? a discordant melody that only one creature of your choice within range can hear, racking it with terrible pain. The target must make a wisdom saving throw. On a failed save, it takes 3d6 psychic damage and must immediately use its reaction, if available, to move as far as its speed allows away from you. The creature does not move into obviously dangerous ground, such as fire or a pit. On a successful save, the target takes half as much damage and does not have to move away. A deafened creature automatically succeeds on the save. <laughs> and we're back to close out the show. It's the PCC Multiverse. It's Gerald Glassford, along with my good friend, Melinda Barkhouse. We truly appreciate everyone out there watching and listening. Cannot thank you enough for doing so. So I want to go ahead before we close on out. Your thoughts on the French Dispatch because the French Dispatch just debuted in theaters alongside Dune. 
And good news for that movie, it is the largest capita per theater in the U.S. since the pandemic started, meaning it earned more money in each theater during its opening weekend. It wasn't in many theaters, but it's just a tribute to Wes Anderson, his style of filmmaking. If you've seen his films before, he has this certain crew that he has there that coming in each every film. But your thoughts on The French Dispatch, I really think this is going to be a film that people are going to enjoy. Yeah, it looks like a, your very typical quirky kind of movie. And I, I don't know what it is that he does to to get all of his movies to look the same. As soon as you look at one, you know who the director has been. Which is your favorite Wes Anderson movie? Oh, gosh. Can I say I'm not sure? Okay, because he's got several. Uh, so many. I, I like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's still a list of, of movies out there. In fact, I, you know, maybe Josh and I can touch on those movies when we come back on Monday show. But... Yes, it is the French Dispatch. It is something that I think people should go ahead and catch. It's getting very good reviews, very strong reviews. So please, if you're out there and you watch the French Dispatch, or if you're going to check it out, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, before we head on out, speaking of the French Dispatch, someone who is always in Wes Anderson movies, Bill Murray, yeah. he uh, recently... Quoted to, I think it was a German news outlet while he yeah, was promoting. Yeah, German newspaper. Yeah. yeah, while he was promoting the wonderful Garfield Three, which I didn't even know existed on this planet, and didn't know I needed or didn't know I wanted. He indicated that he was going to be a part of Ant Man Three. Yeah, and... he was. He was talking about how he got to know the director and really enjoyed the director and just kind of wanted to see what it was like to be involved in a Marvel movie. So he signed on and. <laughs> Nobody has confirmed. It? I don't know. <laughs> it's Bill Murray. You can't be sure. You can't be sure. I mean, it, it can't be anything more than a cameo. Right? It's, yeah. It just, it's Is Bill Murray that... being Bill Murray in the Marvel Universe? But he yeah, says I mean, he We saw him in Zombieland being Bill Murray. Yeah. Yeah. He says he plays a villain. I'm very confused by this. I have a feeling that he is, if it's anything, it's nothing more than a cameo. I really don't think that he's going to get extended time on there because I just don't think he has the time. His schedule's right. he keeps busy even at his age. So he's got the Ghostbusters coming up. I'm sure, he's going to be doing some promo work with that. And so we'll see. I'm on the fence on believing this. I, in fact, I, you know what? I have to see it to believe it. Doesn't sure, that's that. fair. But at the same time, Paul Rudd and Bill Murray on the screen at the same time, I would watch that. There you go. Absolutely. Be like generations of comedians right there for you. So I, right. I'd love to go ahead and check that out. In fact, they could be doing that in Ghostbusters. I'm not well, sure you're yeah, on that. That's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. That's true. Huh. It could huh. be. You never know. We'll see. But we're on the fence on Bill Murray being a part of Ant-Man 3 Quantumania. Not sure if that's the case. Uh, but again, he said it. So I don't know if he was trolling this German news outlet. He may have been because it's Bill right. Murray. It always leaves you up to questions. So we yeah. want to hear your thoughts. If you want to see Bill Murray and Ant-Man 3 Quantumania, please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, Melinda, it's been a great show. Cannot thank you enough, as always, for being a part of today's program. But any last thoughts on the way out? Go Star Trek. Go Dune. Go okay. show about the sisterhood. <laughs> Go Vampires and Vitae. Vampires and Vitae. Yes. <laughs> Please, absolutely. Go check out what they're doing this weekend. It's a special Halloween episode. 
it is yeah this weekend. and where mm -hmm. can they check it out at you can find it right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos Twitch. You can find it on the Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. You can find it on the Vampires and Vitae Facebook page. That's for the live stream for the podcast. You can check it out anywhere you would get your podcast. All right. Couldn't have said it better myself. So from Linda Barkhouse, this is Gerald Glassman. This is another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself. Agree. Dang.